It's so good to see you. Welcome, everybody, to Vancouver Vineyard Church. We're so glad that you're joining us, whether in person or online, and uh, especially to carve out the time on this holiday weekend. Um, normally, this is one of our lowest attended Sundays because of some strange national idolatry that we all, we all buy into for some reason, but that's okay. Um, anyway, it's so good to see you guys. And uh, my name is Marshall. I'm one of the, the leaders who serves here at the church. And if you're new, uh, we just hope that you feel really welcomed and loved. Uh, we are a church that uh, the whole reason we exist, what we are pursuing, is we want to be a church that is filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And that is to practice and proclaim God's kingdom here for the renewal of our city. And so that's everything we go after. We are a church that is committed to just going after the presence of God, going after the city, uh, reaching and serving people and empowering our members of our church to, to go and be everything that God has called them to be. So we're, we're glad that you're with us. Um, and if you want to get connected to Vancouver Vineyard, if you have yet to really connect to the church, we would love to help you. We have connect cards on the bottom of the bulletin that you received as you walked in the door this morning. Um, you can go and fill that out and drop it in one of the offering uh, boxes that's by the doors in the back. Or if you're joining us online, uh, go ahead and click the link on the, the chat, um, and you can go to an online Connect card, and we'd love to get you connected to a life group or just how you can better um, become sort of part of this body. Uh, here at, Vineyard, at Vancouver Vineyard, we have a deep value for generosity in worship. And so we believe that God has, that everything that we have has been given to us by God, and that it is our joy to be able to give back to Him some of what He has given us as worship. And so um, you can give your tithes and your offerings uh, here in person in the back of the church. We have giving boxes, or you can go online at vancouvervineyard.com slash give. And you can set up a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift. Um, and if you are watching us online, you can just click the link towards the giving page and get that set up. Um, so now I'd like to invite Johnny. Uh, we just want to share with you a little bit about what God is doing um, through all of the stuff we have been doing with Hudson's Bay High School. Even though COVID has shut so much down, God is still on the move. He is still reaching students across the street. And we're really excited to share a little bit about what hap what's happening. So Johnny. Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Johnny Clark. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I mainly work with the kiddos downstairs. Um, so yeah, we just want to praise God this morning and just um, fill everyone in on the things that we've been doing with uh, the school across the street and with those high school students. Um, one of the things that we do every week is game club. And so uh, every Monday we meet at the portal and we just invite uh, a bunch of students over to just like to play games and hang out and eat pizza. It's like, it's pretty basic, but it's a blast, and it's great for building connection, and yeah, and, and that's really fun. Another thing that we do is we do this thing called the Bay Brigade, and um, every other week we uh, pack meals, do a bunch of shopping, and then we, and then we send them out to a number of uh, local uh, Hudson's Bay high school families in our, in our area, and we, we've just been, been really blessed by the feedback that we've gotten from that, and um, a lot of families are like really grateful, and it's just been so cool to to build those connections in that way. Um, we're also doing a, a study pod at the portal every day, where uh, the football team actually comes over and uses our space as like a study hall, and they just use it as, as like a time to catch up on homework and to like really stay on top of their grades in a time where there's like no structure. And so we're like trying to provide a space where they can actually have a bit of structure. Um, and then we also uh, this morning actually we have we have a couple students up there in the 
the balcony just uh, volunteering here in our tech team to uh, try and get some community service hours and to try and like learn some new new skills too. So yeah, it's really it's really exciting and yeah, and, and we're just praising God that we have the the resources to even like do these things. But as as you know, we're greedy and we want to do more. So we uh, uh, school is going to be starting up hopefully next month in person. Um, and so we we want to move forward with um, uh, hopefully starting up another Alpha Youth program, um, and then we also want to start doing our weekly snack shacks again at the at the school next door where we can just feed feed the the, the kids and just give them food. Um, and then uh, yeah, we also really want to um, really uh, start doing dinner at the portal again, where like once a month we we just host this huge dinner where like I think it was like couple hundred students come over and we just like have like a big barbecue um and so th- th- there's a lot of stuff on our horizon that like we would just really want to do and and now that school is going to be starting up again in like a hybrid model we we actually see the light at the end of the tunnel to see that actually happen and so anyway just want to share with you all a couple of things that we're doing just to keep everyone in the loop and as marshall said we're working through the spirit to transform our city and those are just a few ways that we're trying to do it. So, um, and then we have a video of one of our volunteers, Paul. Um, he's gonna he's gonna share his experience helping out with the um, Bay Brigade. So, enjoy. Hudson Bay, Neil. Hi, this is Paul Schaefer. My wife Mary Lou and I have been helping out with um, Hudson Bay meals for the students uh, for a few years, uh, maybe back about three years, uh, serving meals over at the portal and uh, helping with setup and that type of thing. And uh, most recently, since COVID, um, with Bay Brigade uh, meal deliveries and um, helping with putting together meals and and, um, delivering them to families. And Mary Lou's mostly been involved in helping either Clarissa or Johnny most recently with um, menu preparation and and um, uh, recipes and that type of thing. And then um, once or twice a month, I'll deliver meals out in the community to families. And it's just been really great. I mean, uh, it, you know, there's not always... Uh, a lot of um, uh, dialogue that happens, but just faithfully taking meals out to people that, that are in need is is an awesome thing. Once, uh, one day I took a meal out to a lady and uh, she wasn't there, so I, I left it on the porch and then I called her on the phone. I came to find out that she um, was in New York with her daughter and that um, her daughter had cancer and that she um, was having a very difficult time. So I got a chance to talk with her and pray with her. And then uh, as I was going back uh, to get the mail, I was just praying, Lord, what do I do with this meal? And I came across a young lady in uh, it was an apartment complex and she was walking through, and um, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to ask her if she needed a meal. And so I, I asked her, and she was really excited. Her mom had just had um, knee surgery and was uh, pretty, um, you know, in a lot of pain and, and homebound. And so um, getting a meal um, 
that they could easily prepare was just a real blessing to her and got a chance to talk to her and let her know about Vancouver Vineyard. And uh, she's very excited about that. They just moved from Portland to Vancouver. And so um, I don't know how they're doing. I mean, I haven't talked to them since, but um, the woman, Deborah, whose daughter Stephanie had cancer, she has been doing really well since I talked awesome. to her. And um, and also then I just found out that her son uh, has COVID, so um, had a chance to pray and, and share these prayer requests uh, with people at the church. So um, anyway, it's just an opportunity to, um, uh, you know, meet people, serve people, and... Uh, and and learn their stories a little bit every once in a while, and then know know how you can pray for them. So I really encourage you if you get an opportunity or you'd like to do it, uh, joining up with Johnny and the team uh, to deliver meals or help with preparation or whatever would be great. So anyway, that's our story here, and um, God bless you guys, and we'll t hopefully see y'all soon. Bye. I get so excited every time I see Paul and Mary Lou. They're wonderful. So thanks, Paul. I think you're watching right now. Um, yeah, so we, we need help. We need volunteers. Of course, we need resources. We need money. We need all the stuff all the time. But what God is doing but in, in our attempt to reach these students across the street, he's multiplying the little bit that we have to have incredible impact. And so if you have any time to be able to, to donate to it, we do all of the stuff that we do with our base students um, and, uh, and with youth group as well. We do very safely. We follow guidelines. So um, we would love to get you folded in, whether it's delivering the meal kits and being able to, to, to pray as you go and look for opportunities to share God's love with other people, or if it's shopping, or if it's... Um, uh, if it's packing meals or if it's being a part of game club or whatever, if nothing else, please, we covet your prayers uh, because we believe that God is doing something really amazing even in this season. We're not waiting for things to open up. We are going after it right now and you're invited to join us with that. Um, so if you would like to join us and be a part of that, fill it out on your Connect card, drop it in the back uh, of the church or uh, send an email to hello at vancouvervineyard.com. All right, so now it is my joy to be able to invite uh, Dr. Kara Johnson to come on up. Uh, yeah, give it up. Kara uh, is, um, she's the pastor of Oasis, uh, which is the Adventist church that meets here on Saturday mornings. And this church has been here for a few years now, and we've been able to build some really cool relationships. They've joined us in a lot of our outreach efforts, and uh, I've had the opportunity to be able to, to share at their church a few times. And um, when they first started out here, uh, their pastor, I got to know a little bit, uh, his name was, was Richard New, and, and he was an amazing man of God. And I was so excited, and we just felt like we were connecting. And it was like within two weeks, he said, I'm out of here. I have a new church that I'm going to. And I was like, whoa. But they stayed, and they invested, and they, they for a year, they had like no pastor. I came and preached a couple of times, but just seeing their community rally together without even having a head leader, it was just amazing to see the power of God at work in that community. And then shortly, after about a year, um, Pastor Moy, she came, and she was here for a while, a couple years about two years, and we got to know her really well. But she and her husband, Adrian, they moved back to Australia. And so, um, praise God, Kara came uh, this summer 
um, and stepped in, and she's just been doing an incredible job stepping into a new church in one of the most challenging years that we've ever had. So big, big ups to what she's doing, and it's a joy to have you with us. We're so excited uh, to be able to hear from you. So yeah, let's welcome her again as she brings God's word. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you for the privilege of being able to share. And this morning, just to be able to have prayer with your team, you blessed me. Thank you. I, I just, yeah, no words for that. God is so good. And I love the way we are a family. You know, God's family is so big. And just to be able to walk in here and just feel it, that I'm with brothers and sisters. What a blessing. So this is a particularly special weekend for me. It is my five-year coming to America anniversary. The, the sixth was when I, I arrived in town. And just like um, this weekend, five years ago, I arrived on a Saturday morning. And then on the Sunday, it was the Super Bowl. Well, you know, what better way to be introduced to the grand American culture? So my dear friend at the time, who's now my husband, Terry, um, <laughs> in Terry fashion, took me to a Super Bowl party. And what I didn't realize, this wasn't any Super Bowl party. This was a Super Bowl party with rap artist Logic and his best mate Lembo, Big Lenny, um, who were in town doing this big concert. I didn't realize they were a big deal. I I came from a fairly conservative stream, um, you know, growing up, and rap never became part of my, you know, different music genre though I do appreciate it now a bit. But anyway, here I rock up to this party, no, no clue. Um, Lenny was a good, is, is a good friend of my husband's and being in town, they, he'd said, you know, Logic and the whole crew would love to watch the game, but we just don't want a lot of fans around. We just want a place we can just be. So Terry organised it all and that's how it all happened. So this guy, Logic, is a big deal. He's one of the big artists in America and um, what I appreciate about him is that his lyrics are contextualised for a rap audience, yes, but they're very positive. He's all about putting out a positive kind of influence, um, even with his team. And when, if you're a part of his crew, no, no drugs, no girls on the bus on tour, it is respect all the way. You respect each other and, that's, that's what's, and, and you, you are respected. About a year or two ago now, Logic found out he was um, going to be a father. And this was in 2018. And so he, he pulled his crew together, including Lenny, and, and he said, look, I'm going to be a father, so I want you all to know my first year of fatherhood, we're not going to be touring, we're not doing anything. You need to prepare. And this is how I want you to prepare, put away this much of your um, income from me for, the, for this next year so that when it comes 2020, you know, you will have enough to survive without us doing anything. <laughs> And that's what any, he really coached his crew through. So when 2020 hit, yes, he became a dad, but they're probably one of the only artists that weren't hit hard when everything shut down. That's just the way logic is. Um, even when we, when we had that party, <laughs> every one of his crew, you know, musicians, they looked a little bit intimidating to me, but they all came. There was about, I don't know, 15 of them separately coming up to me, you know, hello, ma'am, good to meet you, ma'am, thank you for this party. Hello, ma'am. I'd never been called ma'am before in my life, but I felt very special. They were just really, yeah, they impressed me with the way they conducted themselves. Now, Logic's success was not a sure thing, though. When he was um, growing up, his dad was on drugs, his mum was really abusive. He was thrown out of home at 13. Nowhere to go. Um, Lenny, who was the 
bass artist in my husband's youth group at the time in Washington, D.C., um, met him at this open mic evening. And they became friends somehow. And Lenny would, in, would invite him to um, youth kind of concerts and youth events. And he'd sometimes come and sometimes he'd play or, or participate a little bit. The friendship grew in that year. And Lenny saw in him this, 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 this gift that he had at, by now, age 14. And Lenny said to him, he said, you know what? You have a gift. Why don't you come and live with me, my family? Lenny's like, I don't know. 18 maybe, a few years older, but not much. But he said, come and live with, with my family. Don't worry about working. Don't worry about flipping burger, um, burgers at Burger King. Just come live with us. Work on your craft. I want to give you that space of a year to do it. And so he did. He moved in with Lenny and his family. He worked on his craft for a year. And the rest is history. He's, he's you know, before the age of 30, he was worth 14 million. He's, he just went like that. But it wasn't a sure thing. It was acceptance. It was grace. The power of grace in its different forms always amazes me. So that, that's this weekend for me. Happy anniversary. And the power of grace. Grace. She takes the blame. She covers the stain removes the shame. Grace, she's got the walk, not on a ramp or on chalk. She's got the time to talk. She travels outside of karma. When she goes to work, you can hear her strings. Grace finds beauty in everything. What once was hurt, what once was friction, what left a mark no longer stings because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. You know, in speaking about this song, the artist Bono, he said, grace is the idea that I get most excited about, more so than karma. Because if I have to live by karma, I'm coming back as a frog. <laughs> he explained that, you know, when he wrote this song, though he used, you know, a couple of his friends, you know, people he looked up to to personify it, it was not a song about people so much as be being graceful in their actions, but rather it was about covering over the cracks. Covering over the cracks. And I have a hunch that if Abraham was alive... This is a song that he would have appreciated, perhaps even listened to. Because Abraham was this man of faith who left his homeland at God's call, you know, left everything, walked into the unknown. No small thing. Abraham, who did amazing things for God, this patriarch of faith, but it can be tempting to elevate Abraham to a place that is above you and I, that is, you know, in, in, a, in a whole space that we don't walk. But that would not be true to who he was. Because what I think makes the story of Abraham so powerful is that it was not all that unlike yours and mine. Abraham did live a big life. And he left an incredible legacy. 
but it was not a life of ease. It was not without its struggles, its highs, its lows, deep valleys, very real mistakes. Egypt, I mean, that was just a bad, bad scenario altogether. It was a life like yours and mine, day-to-day struggles, wins and losers, failures, of walking with God without fully understanding everything. I once heard this sermon on Abraham and it described the schema of his life like this. God says, I'm going to send you out. And Abraham says, where? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just go. And God says, I will give you land. And Abraham says, where? (laughs) And God says, I'll tell you later. Just wait. And then, and wonder. And then God says, I'll give you a child. And Abraham says, how? And God says, I'll tell you later. Just wait. And then finally, God says, God sent the child. And he says, kill your child. And Abraham says, why? And God says, I'll tell you later. Walk up the mountain. And I wonder if sometimes you look at your life and you have similar questions. Why? Why? How? When? (laughs) When? The questions that roll over us in the sea of life. Those stories that leave us without words. The losses. The losses that leave us gasping for air. The discoveries that leave us so disillusioned that we're tempted to walk away altogether. Never trust again. As church families, we know them too well. As human beings, we know them. It was a few years ago now, back in Australia, I was walking the journey with a young woman. And after sharing some really heartbreaking experiences, experiences that even with all our challenges that, that your average person would never think about, let alone face, this was, a, this, was, this was deep trauma. She turned to me and she, tears just streaming down her face. She says, with all of that, how can I hope to lead a positive life? You know, that it was so dark in front of her. I remember just looking at her in my head, just not without hope completely, but going, you're, you're right, I don't have words, you know. I've I got, I got nothing, but I love you, and yeah. And I know that she wasn't asking for theology, because theology doesn't elevate or take away the sting of, of stuff like that. Time and love help. But her question stayed with me. I remember it, it just haunted me for weeks. I really wrestled with it. It was so unfair. So hard. And there is a powerful message in Hebrews chapter 6 that speaks to this to a great extent, or at least some extent. And it's one that I wanted to explore with us this morning. It's a passage that cuts through 
the circumstances of life. It points to an anchor that we hold on to in the sea of life. It's Hebrews chapter 6, 19. And it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You've probably got a coffee mug at home with it, you know, or a bookmark. It's that kind of verse. There's a few of them that you pick up when you go to Christian bookstores and stuff like that. But to me, you need to, you need to really delve into the whole thing for it to be powerful. So it's Hebrews chapter 6 and from verse 13, if you have your Bibles. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make his unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchanging thing, unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. When we feel tossed by the circumstances of life, when those questions of life roll over us, Paul is pointing to this as an anchor for the soul, God's promise to Abraham, which may not be the most common place to turn to. It's not one of the stories that you tend to read to your children. At least I didn't have it read to me. I grew up listening to cassette tapes of all the Bible stories, you know, in Living Sound and Paul's Journeys. So I knew many of them very well, but this was not one of them, this particular story. It's a story that, if we're honest, at the very least it feels a little foreign if not slightly disturbing, particularly if you're an animal lover like myself. It's God's oath. You remember, you know, when God called Abraham out of the Chaldeans, he promised him blessings. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great. And all the peoples of earth will be blessed through you. Leave. Follow. So Abraham does leave. And time passes. There is no land and definitely no child to start the fulfillment of this blessing. And then there's that whole saga with Lot, which is a little bit dramatic. And then in chapter 13, God reiterates this promise to Abraham. And he says, all the land you see, I will give you to you and your descendants, your offspring forever. More time passes. (laughs) Still no land. Still no child. And we're talking about years. Years and years. I don't know if you've experienced that. Years. Years of waiting. And it seems impossible. Floundering in the sea of life at times. Maybe you're dog paddling. Anyway, he rescues Lot. And then in chapter 15, God appears to Abraham again. 
And it's in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. And I'd invite you to read along. We're going to read through eight verses. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, my servant? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know I will take possession of it? Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. But he also said, how can I know? Isn't that the question? How can I know? I follow you, Lord. I come to church. I listen to the sermons. But sometimes when I go home, how can I know? How can I know there's going to be a child? When I'm faced with all the disappointment, all the loss, all the pain, how can I know? If you've ever had that inner struggle, don't despair. You're in very good company. Abraham is right there with you. How can I know? And God was gracious and confirmed his word, which is completely true with an oath. For Abraham's benefit, for our benefit. Or as the passage in Hebrews says, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. So in our day, we would use a contract, right? You'd get a lawyer, he'd write you a strong piece of paper, and you'd sign it, sign your life away. But in the ancient Near East, their contracts were a little different. Awful, in my opinion, but that's the way it was. What would happen is that you'd have a selection of animals slaughtered, and the pieces would be arranged on the ground that you know, kind of one arm on one side and one arm on the other. It'd be split down the middle, the carcasses arranged. And there'd be a path left in the middle. And in order to join in contract, the two people would walk down the middle of the carcasses 
making a blood oath, essentially, stating that if I do not fulfill this oath, my life will be that, like that of the animals, split in two. Now, if, if it was an oath that was a contract that was being made between, say, someone with more power than the other person, a bit like a bank <laughs> and a mere human being in our days, then the powerful person, the landover or the lord or the nobleman, they wouldn't have to make the walk. It's just the, the lower, mere human being, the servant. The servant would have to take on all the responsibility, which is a bit like a banking us today a little bit. So this is what happened. And God, God of life, God of love, God who created all the animals and who sees when even a sparrow falls, falls. he speaks to Abraham in his language, in his culture, so that he could understand. And he reassures Abraham that his word can be trusted. When it doesn't look clear, he does this by taking this oath, a blood oath. And so Abraham arranges the pieces as he is instructed to do. And then in verse 17 it says, when the sun had set, and darkness had fallen. A smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants, I give this land. God alone walked through the carcasses. God, who had appeared as a burning bush to Moses, a cloud of fire by night to the Israelites, appeared again as fire and walked alone between the carcasses. Abraham was not called on to take any responsibility for this. God alone. He signed with his life so that Abram could know. Centuries later, darkness came over the whole land and Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Our God on the cross paid with his life so that we can know. He took the punishment for all our broken oaths, all our struggles, and died on that cross. In Isaiah 58, it says, He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He bore our sins and our brokenness. We look at the pain in our lives the circumstances that we struggle with, that threaten to drown us. And we ask, how do I know? How can I know that God's got me? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm 
and secure. Hope in the knowledge and the reality that Jesus, our God, not only secured our salvation, our future personally and completely, but that he is a God who graciously speaks to us in our own language, in our own culture. Grace that covers over the cracks. He is a God that we can put our trust in, that we can flee to. And though our circumstances can appear incredibly overwhelming, which I have to admit they have in the past year, just in general, let alone whatever we each struggle with personally, Paul writes that this is a hope that we can put our trust in, firm and secure. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, I come from generations of fishermen on my mother's side, down in the south of Australia, So I grew up knowing a little bit about boats and what I, well, only a little bit to be honest, but a little bit. What I do know is that anchors only work if they're let down deep and catch onto the bedrock, particularly. And in Hebrews 2, chapter 1, Paul reminds us that we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. That was Abraham's secret. He believed the Lord. He let the anchor down deep in his soul. And that young girl that I told you about, that see everything seemed so impossible, you know, she, she just leaned in. There wasn't anything miraculous. But you know what? After years of just continuing to walk, The depth of wisdom and grace and strength that is now in her life. She's an amazing art teacher, inspiring teenagers and helping them through. It's phenomenal what God has done. How do we know? In the intensity of life's murkiness, the unanswered questions, the pain and the disappointment, we have an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And that is that the God of the universe took a blood oath for us. A blood oath for us. He laid down his life for us. It was not taken. He laid it down.